Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see It's time to express yourself, where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. Emotions make us human. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Asia Gonzalez and the theme for our show today is the gift of emotions. And I'm Maria Wong. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Please visit bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation and get more information about how you can be part of our mission to increase literacy and positive message media. It's always a season of giving, so give big. And in this segment today, Asia and I will be taking over the start of the show. So Asia, how do you think that emotions can affect our relationships? Well, one big aspect of it is the fact that we are in such a big digital age that it's kind of hard for us to express our emotions lately because we're kind of hidden behind that social media screen. And I'm thinking, man, there are so many social networks and not so much socializing. And it takes face-to-face relationships to build those emotions that can affect our relationships. So we have texting, we have Snapchat, we have so many dating apps, all of which allow us to communicate with people, but these don't necessarily allow us to communicate feelings. And many consider this to be a good thing, I've realized, because the more that I talk to people and the more I kind of socialize and and kind of look around and observe people and their relationships, it's kind of interesting to see how much we show through the social networks and technology, but not so much that we show when we are in public and in society. And... When we post stories or pictures or talk to someone online, we are allowing only a certain amount of emotions through that people can see, and we are choosing what those people are going to think about us. And with face-to-face conversations, we become more vulnerable, especially when talking with someone new, and our emotions are out there to be interpreted, and the other person is able to read our body language, our facial expressions, and the tone of our voice. So I think that really kind of allows personal connection with people is when we do show our emotions but it's kind of hard to do that when we're always so glued to the technology that we have in our hands so I think personal face-to-face conversation and connection with these emotions that we are trying to show is kind of limited right now yeah for sure I mean just thinking about um, what you said about how we have the choice with our social media, whether I'm posting a story on Snapchat or mm-hmm. posting a picture on Instagram, I can sort of edit it to be the way I want it to be and not necessarily communicate everything. Like, for example, a lot of my friends have something. So there's we have our Instagram accounts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they have Finstas, which are called like 
Um, Some people say it's like Instagram for your friends or just another second account because they don't want their first account to be judged by anybody. They just want to post pretty pictures or pictures that are aesthetically pleasing to them. While with their Finsta, they can post whatever they want and express whatever they want, which I think really shows how in this day and age, we're so afraid to really reveal all of our emotions, which I get it online. Sometimes you don't want to reveal all of that. But at the same time, there's a certain balance, I feel like. And going off of that, it's interesting to see how many people do actually do that. But it's crazy because many companies suggest that you should do that if you're going to be hired by them. With these social media networks, you have to show a certain side of you and a certain uh, kind of upbringing of yourself through certain social media uh, networks, uh, especially with Instagram. You know, a lot of companies go into this Instagram app and look at your personal profile. So you kind of have to lie a little bit and post things that make yourself look good without necessarily presenting who you actually are. Yeah. And I feel like that can actually be so harmful, especially for there's so many young people now, like middle schoolers and high schoolers who use social media all the time, whether it's Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, et cetera. Right. And by seeing these posts and just being influenced by what you're seeing and seeing how it's not necessarily everything you're trying to communicate or it's only one construed emotion, I feel like that can definitely have some backlash. It can, you know, it kind of, it's, it's just technology is so influential on these younger generations and these younger groups of people, especially high schoolers and middle schoolers, that they will kind of use social media to convey who they are personally, but it it doesn't necessarily allow them to convey that completely, which is why personal face-to-face conversation is so important. Having those personal intimate connections with people is so much more important than how you present yourself on social media. Because yes, although everybody can see who you are as that social media person who uh, loves to take pictures at the beach or, you know, they love to paint or they love to eat this certain kind of food, it doesn't really necessarily allow people to connect with you on a personal level, you know, what kind of person are you? Are you a patient person? Are you somebody who is a really good listener? Are you someone um, who is able to empathize with people really easily? People can't necessarily see that through technology, and it's a lot easier to really relate to someone on a personal level when they're able to see those aspects about you. Yeah, no, definitely. And how do you think that, um, like, in this digital age, how we can better use our emotions to communicate online in whatever social media form? Uh, I think the best way we can do that is really posting things that mean a lot to you. Uh, Because if you're posting something that is meaningful to you, other people are going to interpret that as, wow, this person is this kind of uh, person to be around. They seem very uh, real. They seem relatable. They seem kind. And it's not necessarily, you're not going to come off as a person who just likes to have fun and go on adventures or something like that. So if you post, you know, something in your life that has taught you a lesson or something that is inspirational to you and you want to convey that to others or share that with other people, people are able to relate to you a lot more on a personal level. Uh, Whereas instead, if you're just posting pictures of things that people can't really relate to, it's a little hard to see those kind of emotions through our technology and our social media websites. So really with my Instagram, you know, I have a lot of car pictures and pictures with friends and um, things that really are part of my passion so people can kind of see the type of person that I am instead of posting pictures that are perfectly posed and edited and only show what I want to show people. 
Yeah, no, I definitely feel like you just need to be authentic in whatever you're doing, whether it's online or whether you're trying to pursue anything in life. Um, It also made me think of, I know we were mentioning earlier in um, some past radio shows how you love beauty bloggers. And I love YouTube, too. I feel like it's a great medium just to see so many different types of videos and just all these different type of things. And for me, watching YouTube since I was younger, seeing some of my favorite YouTubers evolve and get more sponsorships or start Mm -hmm. to promote different things than what they were starting out with. I feel like YouTube is just such an interesting medium in that way that you're really able to track them from when they first started to now and see like how they changed and um, just how they're conveying emotions or how it may be different. Yeah, definitely. I love watching YouTube too and and following the people that I like to watch regularly and especially with people who I've subscribed to their channels. I love to see how much they've changed and and grown and it's so awesome to like go to their very first video and see how kind of nervous they were with their very first video. And then you kind of progress and and you see the person that they are now and how comfortable they are talking about things that are important or personal to them. And that's one of the things too is that it's very hard for us now to really have that self-disclosure with everybody else in, in public because we don't want people to judge us. We don't want people to um, think, you know, and stereotype us into certain groups that we, we don't feel we are a part of or or just kind of think we are a different person than we really are. And with face-to-face conversations, um, it's easy for people to do that. You know, it's easy for people to kind of interpret you as something else than you would rather them understand uh, the kind of person that you really are. And being in a face-to-face conversation, being vulnerable with another person that you're talking to, it can be very nerve-wracking, especially when you're talking with someone new, which is why in this digital age, this has made younger generations okay with being free of emotion, essentially. Uh, They're okay with kind of, you know, socializing online so they don't have to put as much effort into it. And we are no longer required to speak to someone face-to-face if you want to have any contact with them because we can just shoot them a text. And when we were in public, we kind of keep our face down like there's like wonderful things to look on the floor. Uh, but we aren't really looking at the floor. Our eyes are glued to our phone screen. Yeah. Which are yet, you know, iPhones are really pretty. You know, I have one too. But, <laughs> you know, there's there's plenty of faces to look at and, you know, make connections. Because when I'm walking down the street or down the halls of my college campus, it's interesting to see how many people are looking at the floor because they're looking at their phones. And it, my very first thought that goes to my head is, what if I were to walk like right in front of you? Would you bump into me or would you like trip over me or something because you can't yeah. see in front of you? And, um, you know, I was always taught, you know, from my dad, you know, to be aware of my surroundings, know what's going on. Um, and I do admit that I do look at my phone sometimes when I walk, but it's a lot better to really look around you and see who you can connect with, even if you're just making brief eye contact with somebody. Um, you know, you have those emotions that are exchanged between that person of quick eye contact because you're both human. You've kind of just acknowledged each other instead of just staring at your phone, which is also very uncomfortable. I don't know about you, but every time I'm sitting alone in a in a room with someone or a couple of other people and we're all just looking at our phones and it's dead silent, I'm kind of like, wow, this is really awkward. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like um, it reminds me of the video, the viral video called Look Up where someone's looking at their phone all the time. It shows them like at their wedding, still looking down at their phone or just Mm -hmm. not really noticing the things around them. And I feel like being aware of your surroundings, being aware of your environment, you become able to perceive more emotions that people are feeling or just really um, gain more knowledge in that way rather than the time you could be on your phone browsing through Instagram or Snapchat. Which 
Yeah, what would you think? Because um, I feel like it's so hard for a lot of teenagers today to get off their phones since we're always on social media. Like, how would you recommend people who might find it perhaps scary to um, perhaps always be talking face to face because they're so used to their phone to um, sort of branch out more and be off their phone less and have more face to face conversations? Uh, I will definitely say that I was very scared with making personal connections with people because I was very afraid of how people might judge me or think of me. Or, uh, you know, I wanted people to think of me as a certain person um, and I wanted people to interpret who I am in a certain way. But really what I un- what I kind of understood was it's a lot more scarier to not have connection with people than to actually have that connection. Because if we're so scared of, you know, talking face to face with that new person that you've never met before and kind of have that little intimate exchange of just talking, you know, it's a lot better once you make those connections with people because you feel more involved with society and you feel more involved with the world. And it's so much better for you as an individual to have that connection, you know, even if it's just a brief exchange. It's so much better uh, having those connections and relationships with people because it just betters you as a person. It allows you to really branch out who you are and your personality it really just allows you to grow as a person. So I can tell you that it's a lot scarier having no connection at all. Yes, I totally agree. Human connection is so important. Unfortunately, we're out of time. We will be we will be back after this break. I'm Maria Wong. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. Support our show and these amazing segments by donating to the Be the Star You Are charity that brings you this program. Information on how to information on how to do this, go to be the and follow our blog and get ready for our fun event coming up on May 13th, the Moraga Fair. And for more information, that is at our website at be the and don't go anywhere as we continue our talk. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. The longer you listen, the later it gets. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to our uplifting and inspiring program. I'm Asia Gonzalez, and you're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, brought to you by the Be The Star You Are charity. And I'm Maria Wong. For this segment, we have Katie Jarvis, who's an author, a yoga instructor, a competitive gymnastics coach, and an online writing instructor. Today, we'll be discussing her novel, The Peacock Room, and her take on emotions when it comes to writing. So, Katie, when did you first know that you wanted to be a writer? Well... 
It's almost like I always knew that I wanted to be a writer. I think as soon as I could write sentences, I was having my mom, who was a school teacher, bring home these like big pieces of colored paper for me so I could make books with them. And even if it was just like some pictures and one sentence on each page, I really liked like titling it, stapling it all together. It just made me feel like I had created something and I loved that feeling. That's awesome. Yeah, that's definitely something that could get your creative juices flowing. (laughs) So can you give us a rundown and an insight on your book, The Peacock Room, for our listeners? So The Peacock Room is really a character-driven book. Um, And I think it's great that we're talking about emotions today because I feel like my writing usually comes from a place of exploring the emotions of my characters and how they connect to each other. Um, So for The Peacock Room, we have our narrating character, Lizzie, and she's just graduated from college, and she's just trying to find out where she fits in the world. Um, She has something called perfect pitch, which means that she can hear and identify the pitches in just about anything that has a pitch, from like a musical note to a person's speaking voice. Um, And this creates her sort of unique way of viewing the world. And she's meeting and falling in love with the other main character named Jonas. And he has a medical condition that's caused his right leg to grow longer than the left. And he has these tumors that need medical attention all the time. And he's sort of coming to terms with his place in the world and how he wants to be an adult with this medical condition and start to make his own decisions about it and things like that. Well, great. Um, So I was wondering In your novel, The Peacock Room, that's set in Ithaca, New York, did attending Ithaca College at all affect that in your environment and just your view on that? Certainly, of course. Um, I feel like this novel really is like an exploration of that time in my life and the issues I was dealing with. Um, I was thinking a lot about like, you know, what it's like to be away from your parents and to have that relationship change and to fall in love for the first time and that sort of connection and how that changes you. And Mm -hmm. also just like, you know, what it means to be independent and an adult. And and that all came to me while I was in college in Ithaca. So the setting for the novel and the themes in the novel was very much present in my real life during that time. Yeah, that's definitely a very big change for somebody who, you know, moves away from their parents, you know, they go to college and they have that huge chapter in their lives that's a lot different from what they're used to. And you're definitely feeling a lot of different emotions, especially emotions for the first time, like falling in love. So what would you say is, uh, if you could, is the most prevalent emotion throughout your book? Hmm, I think that there's sort of this idea that our identities are always changing and looking at how we can come to terms with those changes and and let go of things that maybe we held really tight to and we thought were like our security um, so that we can develop new phases of life. Um, and, and I definitely think that the book was an outlet for me at the time to you know express those emotions and think about them and try to work through them, which was great. Definitely. So like with those emotions that you're experiencing for the first time, because I'm pretty sure, you know, falling in love is something very confusing. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, how are, how do you think you can deal with emotions that are confusing to you or you've never felt them before and they're kind of, and it could be a little bit stressful. How can a person deal with that? Well, 
I, I really think that it's so important that we have ways to express ourselves that work for us. You know, for some people, it might be painting or dancing or music. And for me, it's definitely always been writing. Mm-hmm. And that's a space where I feel I can be really honest and creative and just kind of tap into my experience of being human. And I, I think that the arts are so important because we need places where we can go and we're feeling all these emotions. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. I feel like this is also such a great book for um, someone even like me. I'm a high school senior and I'm about to be going into college somewhere probably where not with my parents and just going through this new transition period. Yeah, but it's definitely also like scary and exciting. I feel like a Mm -hmm. book like this, like The Peacock Room, could really help just with that transition and just all of the emotions and feelings um, that one encounters, especially during a new time in their life. So was this novel specifically for um, like targeted towards a teenage audience or was it more um, broad? I think it's a little bit more broad, but I think it's really good for a teenage audience. And I do sort of consider it like my teenage self exploring themes. My first draft, I wrote it like when I had just turned 20. And so I think that I was very much in the mind frame of still being a teen. So I think it certainly speaks to that age group. Would you say that teens are your favorite audience to write for, or do you have a, a preferred audience to write your books for? I think I'm I think I write towards females and maybe of all ages, but but I do feel like in my life I've had really strong female connections and I've really connected to female authors and mm-hmm. I do feel like my writing sort of has that. There's usually a, a female narrator or a female main character and I mean the, all the issues are human, but they're, they're female issues too. Yeah, and I feel like that's so important, especially because it's been um, always so androcentric throughout our time period and it's so important that we have strong female characters and female authors that really inspire us to all express ourselves. Did you have any favorite authors who inspired your work for the Peacock Room? Oh, there's so many different authors. Um, You know, there's there's an author named Haruki Murakami who's not a female author. Um, oh my God, I love Haruki Murakami. <laughs> he just has this way of blending the weird with the normal. And I think that that's something I really love. And I think my novel has some aspects of that. And, and I really relate to his writing in that way. Just showing that like life is weird and bizarre. And that's kind of the most real thing there is. Definitely. Yeah, I, yeah sorry. I definitely feel that. Um, I feel like especially with Murakami's works, it's in the way that emotions, it's often hard to decipher. And through that, you think of other things and just all of these different tangents that come to create together to create his works. And that's um, just so great. And how that relates also back to the Peacock Room. Um, What did you think was the hardest part about writing this novel? Honestly, the hardest part is just not knowing if you're going to ever be able to successfully complete it in like a form that you feel is done. Um, And also knowing that like, maybe no one's ever going to read it. You have to sit there for so many hours and you spend so much energy and care and you just don't ever know if it's going to be finished and you don't ever know if it will ever be published or if anyone will ever read it. And I think that was really hard for me. Um, But it's 
really exciting that it has gotten out into the world. And even just when people tell me, oh, I read it and say one or two things about it, it feels really good. And that helps me move the rest of my writing forward, knowing like, okay, you did it. You can do it again. Yeah, that would definitely spark some some controversy is not knowing uh, for certain. But I think that's with everything that you do in life. Totally. So with, with that kind of emotion, what other emotions or how do your emotions help when you write? Well, I, I'm a very emotional person. Like I would say that anyone that's close to me has definitely seen me cry probably from happiness and sadness. Um, <laughs> and that's okay with me. And, and I think one way to kind of be okay with the fact that I am emotional and that I feel things deeply and experience even other people's pain deeply is to know that that helps infuse my writing and that's only going to make my characters stronger and allow me to connect to them. And I, I think a huge part of why I write is about connection, emotional connection, you know, like if you can get inside a character's head and see the world through a different perspective, you can learn so much. And and I just think that that's one of the best things about writing and reading. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like as a writer, it is so important to be able to empathize with other people. And through reading, you really, I feel like, forge a human connection with your other readers or just anybody in general. Do you that's have- so true. Yeah. Um, do you have any advice for any young people like our audience who would want to become writers, like what they should do while they're young? I would definitely say just write, like write all the time, whether you know if anything is going to come of it or not, just write because you're going to learn so much about your voice and about how to write by just sitting down and writing. Um, I think it's really important to schedule times to write and to get into the habit of being like, you know, today after school, I'm going to write for an hour rather than just writing when inspiration strikes because the habit of planning a writing time and sticking to it is just probably the hardest thing about being a writer. And it's a great habit to learn early. Um, I think one more thing that I would really encourage young writers to do is to not be afraid to let other people read their writing. Don't be afraid to expose it. Um, I mean, certainly choose safe people, maybe your parents or your good friends, but the writer-reader relationship is so important to growing as a writer, and you're always going to learn something from having someone else read what you write. Yeah, and that was uh, another thing that we kind of talked about earlier is conveying yourself through emotions. And especially when it comes to writing, you're really conveying who you are as a person and what your thoughts and emotions are. Uh, yep. It's true. And you're going to learn about yourself and, and learn about other people. Um, mm-hmm. I know there was, there was an article in the Washington Post last summer about how reading fiction makes you, like, like you were saying, more empathetic and a more understanding yeah. person and you can cooperate with others. And I just think that's so true. I think both the act of writing and the act of reading can do that. Definitely. Well, awesome. This is so great to hear about your your book is very interesting, and it definitely connects to our theme today. But Thank guys, make, of course, make sure to visit Katie's website at www.katiejarvis.com. And you spell Katie as C-A-T-I-E, Jarvis.com, to see all about her book and all of the other work that she has. And please visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com for photos, descriptions, links, blogs, and more. I'm Asia Gonzalez.
And I'm Maria Wong. Also, please visit our charity site at bethestarur.org and watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash bethestarur. Stay right here as we continue our amazing discussion on emotions. Show the world your smile. Be the star you are. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. We didn't invent Kid Talk. We perfected it. And at a very young age, you're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Asia Gonzalez. Our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. Today on Express Yourself, we are discussing the gift of emotions. And I'm Maria Wong. Today we are here with Katie Jarvis. She's an author, gymnast, gymnastics coach, and yoga instructor. Based out of Santa Monica with her first novel, The Peacock Room, which is about two characters named Jonas and Lizzie who meet many interesting people in the small town of Ithaca, New York, and discover complex answers to the questions about life. We're here just to continue our discussion. So, Katie, um, just starting it off, when reading, do you find yourself feeling what the characters feel? Um, I definitely do. I think that I've always been able to use writing as kind of like a pause from my life to just escape and enter into other people's lives. And then there's that connecting bridge where you're reading and you're so involved in someone else's experience. And all of a sudden there's a question or an idea that makes you think more about your own life. And I, I kind of love that experience. Definitely. And I think, you know, with reading and writing, you kind of explore your own emotions. So do you think that reading or writing or both can help us become, you know, more emotionally intelligent as in being able to uh, interpret emotions, manage our emotions and better communicate with our emotions? I definitely think so. Um, Even just the exercise of expressing yourself through writing is going to make you piece your emotions together in a certain way and add kind of like an architecture to them, which can be helpful for processing, I think. Um, I find that I often like to write letters to people if, if like I'm feeling that there's something that I need to say or that I didn't say. Um, and I don't even necessarily need to send them, but just the act of writing them gives me this release and, and I think that's sort of an example of a way that we can, like, release and become more in touch with how we feel through writing. 
Yeah, definitely. I feel like that's so important, especially as a writer myself. I definitely feel that writing is one way of expressing myself. And once again, like you said, just being able to understand myself. Um, Do you have a favorite form of writing? We know you wrote the novel, The Peacock Room, but do you have any other favorite forms? I say the novel is my first favorite form of writing. I love reading novels and I love writing novels. Um, In graduate school, I also very much fell in love with the short story. And I write probably an equal amount of short stories as I do novels at this point. And short stories are just a really great way to hone in on the craft of writing because you have to compose an arc in a smaller space. And I think it's really made my writing stronger. And I just love reading short stories now too. So you are a yoga instructor and a gymnastics coach, and you're also a a online coach. How have these three passions shaped who you are today? And do they help with your writing? Well, I think I'm really lucky because coaching gymnastics and teaching yoga are very physical and writing can be, you know, kind of like isolating and you're just sitting there and it's great to be able to have those two different things. So I usually write in the morning and then I'll either do yoga or teach a yoga class and then I coach the competitive gymnastics in the evenings and I think that they're just a great complement to each other. Um, I definitely think that that physical side informs my writing as well. Um, I think in the Peacock Room, when I'm dealing with Janice's disability, something that kind of brought me to that idea was just the idea of having been a gymnast myself and then your body is this tool and it's interesting as you get older how scary and strange it is to realize that the tool is not going to work quite the same way as it once did and how do you deal with that. I think that can definitely bring on an intense set of emotions when you realize, you know, things are changing uh, and nothing is ever going to be the same as it was Uh yesterday. Do you kind of use that kind of thought process when writing your books? Definitely. I think, um, like, like I said, it's just helpful to be able to deal with those emotions by putting them on different characters and seeing how those characters deal with those emotions. And that's just kind of a nice exercise to be able to do while writing. Yeah, so you've definitely talked um, a little bit in depth about sort of your just daily routine with writing in the morning and yoga and gymnastics. Um, When writing, do you have a special place to go in order to focus and completely write everything? You know, I've moved a lot in the past few years, and it seems that every different place I live, I kind of end up with a different spot that is my writing spot. So that's kind of interesting. Like, sometimes it'll be my desk, and I can set it all up. Um, But maybe just depending where it is in the apartment, sometimes I don't like writing at my desk and it'll be the kitchen table or um, I had an apartment with a little patio and the Wi-Fi was still good out there. So I often sat out there in the morning and wrote. Um, And it is interesting how different spaces bring different things into your writing. Like when I was writing outside, I was seeing people pass me by and hearing cars and the trees and things like that. And then when you're inside, it's a more quiet space and you get your own voice echoing more loudly in your head. And it it is interesting how it does impact your writing, where you write. For sure. I feel like they're definitely nuanced wherever you are. Also, you said um, that you've been moving all lately from different cities. Do you feel like those certain locations have influenced your mindset for writing? Definitely. Um, 
when I live in San Francisco, for some reason, I feel like my writing has this kind of sense of longing in it. And I'm not sure what that's about. It's a little more city-ish. Um, so maybe there's something about that, like the anonymity of being in a city or you're looking out at the bay, but it's cold, so you can't really swim in it. Um, I'm not sure, but I definitely think that San Francisco specifically has influenced my writing in a certain way. Um, and when I lived on the East Coast, I feel like the seasons were more influential on in my writing because, of course, they're much more prevalent there. And like winter writing is different than spring writing or summer writing. And that's something I don't feel so much on the West Coast. Wow, that's really interesting. I can, I can kind of relate to that because I moved around a lot when I was a little bit younger. Uh, about two or three years, uh, I would move to a different house and be at a different school. And that's kind of shaped how I manage my emotions and communicate with other people because I've lived in so many different areas and have met so many different types of people. And it's interesting to see how your thought process changes, how you relate more to people, and how you kind of go about with yourself when you live in different places and experience more. Yeah, that's really cool. And I feel like even doing that as a as a young person must have been a very special and interesting kind of experience, right? At first, I was a little uh, apprehensive about it because, you know, it meant that I had to be the new kid all the time. Right. But the, but the older I got, the more I realized, you know, I had so many different friendships and I was able to relate to so many different kinds of people and live in different kind of cultures, I guess you could say, because I lived in a small town for a little while, and then I moved to a bigger city in California, and then I moved back to that small town for a couple more years, and now I'm back here in Denver, which is a little bit more bigger uh, than where I lived, not exactly the same as where I lived in California, so it's kind of interesting to see where I've been throughout my entire life, which is, uh, you know, not a lot of people can say that they've done that and met so many people and been in so many different places. Yeah, that's really cool. And for a writer, that's such a gift because you've had all those different experiences that maybe someone that lived in one place their whole life wouldn't have gotten to go through. And sometimes, you know, I, I do get a little bit jealous of that, you know, you've been in that one place for so long, you know, all about these people and you know exactly where to go uh, if you want to have fun. And, you know, being here in Denver, sometimes people are like, oh, hey, you want to go to this place? I'm just like, what is that? <laughs> and, um, you know, it's really great to be able to use where you've been to kind of interpret other people's emotions and interpret, you know, the different kind of people that you're around because it allows you to become more in tune with who you are because you kind of have to reinvent yourself again every time you move. You kind of have to establish who you are as a person so that it allows you to really learn more about who you are. That's true. And then you have this, like, emotional basis and, and you can kind of say, oh, well, I've had this one way of being in all these places. And then this other aspect of me is shifting. And that's really mm -hmm. cool information. So do you do you think uh, that writing um, has allowed you to really explore who you are as a person and really explore how you relate to other people that you've been around? I definitely think so. Um, you know, when I'm when I'm reading a book or when I'm writing a book or a story, I want the reader to be able to connect to my characters and say, like, yeah, I felt that. Or maybe if they haven't felt it, to say, wow, I've never felt that before, but I can see what it would be like to feel that because this character is feeling it. Um, and I think that's how I've come to understand people and how we all come to understand each other is that sort of emotional connection. And it definitely drives why I read and why I write. Definitely. 
Do you have any new novels that you're working on since you've now finished this one? Well, interestingly enough, um, the new novel I'm working on is a young adult novel, um, and it is about a little girl who's just, her parents just split up and she just moved to a new location and she's struggling with this change. And it has some supernatural elements. So she's trying to figure out like her internal powers that she can use to kind of grow stronger amidst the changing situations in life. Um, So I think actually the theme of the book I'm working on plays really well into what we just talked about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's definitely really cool. Um, how how did you like come up with the, that idea of first having her parents split up and that's leading her to exploring her inner self? Like, how were you um, inspired? Um, well, there was a point in time when I was a bit older when my parents split up and even dealing with that as an adult basically is so difficult and interesting and it really brings up the shifting possibilities of family and the dynamics that are always changing. So I think it was informed some from my own personal experience and just from a um, like a, a plot device perspective, I do think it's often nice to get to know a character when they're stepping into a new situation um, because then we get to see how they're going to react to the changes that they're presented with. And it, it gives us a you know, kind of a good understanding of what this character is going to be and what their main challenges are going to be. Yeah, it's really good um, when your readers are able to relate to who you are through your books. And I think you do that perfectly through the Peacock Room and what you're going to be writing about now. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today, Katie. And it was amazing to talk to you and and get to talk to you about your book and what you're going to be writing about next. Well, thank you guys. Of course, we hope to see you again. Uh, It was a very enlightening discussion about emotions and you guys can definitely check out her book and everything else that she has been working on at her website, katiejarvis.com and check out all the awesome stuff she's been up to. Be sure to stay tuned for our next segment and during the break, be sure to check out our charity site at btsya.org, which stands for the Be The Star You Are 501c3 Literacy and Positive Media Charity. And for more information, you can go to events at our website at btsya.org. I'm Asia Gonzalez. And I'm Maria. Please visit expressyourselfteenradio.com for more information about our show. And please be sure to check out Katie and all the work that she's done. When we come back, we will continue our inspiring conversation on emotions. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids.
You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself, and today's hour is all about emotions. I'm Asia Gonzalez. And I'm Maria Wong. In this Book Smart segment, I'll be talking about the novel The God of Small Things by Arun Dahadi Roy. And I chose The God of Small Things because I think it perfectly captures just the wider range of emotions we have. We see this throughout the multiple characters in this novel. Now, the novel is set in India in 1969 and mainly focuses on fraternal twins, Rahel and Ezda. And Rahel and Ezda, from the start, you can see that they're deeply connected and often sense and read into each other's emotions, whether it's fear, happiness, anxiety, and it's especially highlighted through Roy's nonlinear plot, which is basically where she jumps around from different time periods. It can be from when Rahel and Ezra are seven years old and playing in the river with their beloved friend, Valutha, or it can be when Rahel is 27 years old trying to find her way in New York City on her own. And along with sort of these skipping time periods, Roy reveals all of Rahel and Ezra's family history starting from their grandparents with Papachi and Mamachi, all the way to their lonely mother, Amu, and their jealous aunt, baby Kochama. In this novel, at the end of the day, it truly is a family novel, one of human connection. And Roy throughout really illustrates how there's certain events, past experiences, and in this case, one's position in the Indian caste system can really affect one's emotions and how they view life as a whole. And this novel is quite complex. It deals with a plethora of themes, such as the rise of communism in India, the um, apparent poverty throughout the caste system, especially with the untouchables, forbidden love, and raising children and what that entails. And throughout it all, even though it's so complex and with these different time periods and just this really interesting and beautiful yet confusing prose, Roy makes one thing clear time and time again, which is that everything is dictated by either the big or the small things. And the big things would be the outside forces in our life, whether it's poverty, greed in India, it's the caste system. It's outside forces that we really can't change on our own, no matter how much we want to or try. What's important, Roy states, is that we have control over the small things, what we choose to value and cherish, whether it's love, friendship, or humor. And throughout this book, so many tragic events occur, such as multiple deaths of family members, um, police violence and brutality, and just overall injustice, especially for people who are part of the lower caste system. Um, Roy just makes it clear again that we really can't control the big things in the life but we really do need to value the small things because those are the things in our life these emotions that give our life meaning overall i just really love this book i read it for my ap english class but it's far by far been one of my favorite books i've read this whole entire year because it is so complex and really is an inspiring story of how strong human connection can be And I'd recommend this novel to anyone who is interested in Indian culture, interesting prose, or different plot lines. 
and family-oriented stories because this story will really give you a new perspective. Books like these are very important to read because it definitely gives us insight on different cultures or, you know, people who may be in the situation. So it allows us to have a little more of a broader variety of, you know, knowledge about something else that we may not have experience with. So are there any similar books to this one? Yes. Um, one of these, I really think since The God of Small Things really is a family novel, it spans throughout their whole entire lineage. I would say The Inheritance of Loss um, by Kieran Desai and The Famished Road by Ben Okrai. And both of these books focus on young children who view, who often view the world differently from adults. And through this, um, you're able to sort of see their perspective on different emotions in difficult circumstances. And unfortunately, Roy has not written any more books. Um, it's very interesting because she never really wanted to be an author. She has always been a journalist, social activist, and a very, um, very successful nonfiction writer. However, it's really interesting. She wrote this book to really push through um, and just give people an outside perspective through literature about the plight of the Indian caste system and how that has dictated so many things for different people. You know, I think reading books like these or just reading books in general is just so important for us to really expand our emotional intelligence and it because it just really allows us to experience different kind of emotions while we're reading because I definitely feel the emotions when I read. I feel the characters' emotions, uh, you know, to a certain extent, not necessarily completely. But I do kind of like sometimes I find myself empathizing or sympathizing or even relating to these characters in these books, which is highly, highly important for you to be able to really expand your your thought process and, and your emotions and the who you are as a person, essentially. Yeah, for sure. And especially in a time and age, especially I think in the United States where everybody's so divided on certain issues, um, I feel like books, literature, art anything of that sort can really connect us just with basic human emotions and really make us realize just certain things we never thought we really would because sometimes we're so divided or stubborn in our certain stances. Yeah, definitely. So what was the most gripping part uh, with this book? Um, I really enjoyed that this had so many different narrators, but the main would have to be Rahel and Esther. And it starts off, as I said before, when they're seven years old. And it's such an emotionally complex novel with all these different big things, these different driving forces creating the way um, the way that their mother treats them very harshly because she was abused when she was younger and wants them to be pre- prepared for the real world or mm-hmm. just all these different forces. And they have yet a very honest view because I feel like children are often some of the most honest people because they just say things as they are usually. <laughs> they really um, are very honest. <laughs> but, yeah, but at the same time can also be very naive about certain things just because mm-hmm. they're young. And one of these was where um, just the certain descriptions um, Roy has, they're very poetic, like as the when he sees an impoverished man describing his teeth like piano keys, black and white. And it's just... A really interesting way to view things that you never really thought you would, especially even though I'm still very young, you know, not seven years old. And just seeing it from that perspective, I thought it was really cool how Roy was able to do that. Definitely. Yeah, that sounds very interesting. But what I thought was very interesting is how Roy skipped around to different time periods. Yes. The main character's life. Why do you think she did that? I think she did that because that's often how we view life or tell a story sometimes. Um. 
you're talking about this in my English class. It's sort of like when you're telling a story, you might start people like, oh, wait, but then I need to give you context. Let me tell you about this and then continue on and just go on to different tangents before really getting to the main part of the story. So I feel like in that way, it's sort of like a natural way of storytelling. But at the same time, through having the children as narrators and then having them as adults reflecting back on their past experiences at children as children, it really gives you a bit more perspective on what happened and how they viewed it as children, certain events that really mar their life um, to then viewing them as adults. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I can agree with that, you know, especially when you said how, you know, when we're explaining things or talking, we kind of jump back to something and explain it to give a bit more context on what we're talking about. So that definitely makes sense. And then I think we do that a lot with everyday conversation uh, and how we use that to explain our emotions to people where we kind of use it in a way to justify how we feel. Uh, We might jump back to, you know, something specific to really explain what we're feeling or kind of just have a conversation in general with people. Yeah, for sure. I feel like just um, once again, just all of these emotions and storytelling, having a conversation, whichever way you communicate, um, there's always different ways to convey it. But I feel like reading novels, writing, or just doing it in any art form is also so important. I, As we said before, face-to-face conversation is so important in getting to know somebody from their facial expressions, body language. But I also feel like expressing it through art is another creative way. And it's also an outlet for a lot of different emotions that one may be feeling. And when you look back, you're able to articulate it, whether it's a diary or a painting or music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like we can kind of do that through our... our uh, our radio show too. We kind of convey how yes. we feel on certain subjects, which is what I love about this show is that people can really see who we are as a person based on you know what we talk about with our beliefs and our opinions and stuff, which is great for our listeners because it allows us to relate to our audience a little bit more on a personal level, which is great how we have teens involved in the show because we have teens listening and we're able to really connect with them on a little bit more of a personal level through this, even though it is technology uh, and, you know, it's not necessarily face-to-face. We can kind of give them, you know, advice. We can talk about personal experiences with ourselves and that allows our listeners to be like, yeah, you know, I can definitely relate to that because I can feel the same way on that certain situation. Yeah, definitely. I feel like Express Yourself has been such a big part of my life for sort of just maturing both intellectually and personally and just really getting to know interesting people like you or Katie Jarvis, who we just met today, just getting to know all these different people with completely different perspectives. I really feel like through the show and the listeners, um, we learn more about ourselves, but also just about others who we never thought we would really ever talk to. Yeah, exactly. And it really allows us to have a bit of a deeper connection globally, which is crazy to think about the fact that we're able to really connect on a bit of an emotional level and intellectual level um, and really have a brief intimate moment with these people that we meet because we could be talking to someone who is all the way in New York and, you know, you know, I'm in Denver and other people are in California and people are from so many different areas of the country and we can connect on something similar such as the gift of emotions and how we feel and interact with other people because it was great to talk to Katie today, you know, how we've both moved around to different places and it was interesting to hear about how she uses that to really allow herself to connect with people more. 
Yeah, and if I feel like regardless of whatever medium you choose, whether it's for us like radio or writing or just having a conversation with a good friend, um, we all deserve and should have the opportunity to really express ourselves and whatever emotions we may be feeling. Exactly, and we can use that to have a personal connection with the people that we meet. Well, it's time to say farewell. Sadly, we give our thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and A Voice America Kids crew, especially our engineer, Matt. And thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world. And thank you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Asia Gonzalez. And I'm Maria Wong. You have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For more information on our creative community, go to btsya.org and our main site at bethestarur.org. Until next week, remember, be kind, express your emotions, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself. Produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself